Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. I know where else to go. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses, verse 32. We're going to read one verse. We're in a series called Let Him Cook, which is basically all about how to surrender to Jesus. Week one, we talked about how we are, how receptive we are to God's word. Week number two, we talked about how responsive we are to God's presence. Week number three, um, how obedient and how submitted are we to God's will. And week number four today is how passionate are we for God's house, God's Church, And I want to read from Acts 19.32. In my humble opinion, it is the most concerning verse in the New Testament about the church. Uh, I, I think that if this verse were to happen in our church, and for some of us today, it might already be happening, but if this verse were to take root in our church 50 years from now, I mean, I'll go earlier, 10 years from now, this church would be a shell of what it once was. Its inability to reach the community would be apparent. Its, its inability to reach the city for Jesus would be, would be clear if we allow what I'm about to read uh, in, our, in this verse, take hold in our church. Acts chapter 19, verse 32, there was a gathering, maybe similar to this one. And, and the Bible says in verse 32, the assembly, the gathering, the congregation was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing and some another. And this is the verse that I am praying the Lord uses me, that this would never happen in our church. And this is the part of the verse that I'm hoping, if you are in this situation today, that the Lord would do something in your heart, because it goes on to say, most of the people did not even know why they were there. Can you imagine a church service where nobody knows, most of us have no idea why we are here. And if we do have an idea about why we are here, typically research shows that it is the wrong reason. For example, uh, um, research has shown that over 80% of all church attendees choose the church they go to and go to church every Sunday because of the charisma of the communicator, how they feel when the preacher is preaching. Now that has its place, but that should not be the main reason why we go to church. Church isn't even a place to go to. It's something to be. This is so important we understand now. We need to know what is the church. You are not my members, which is why I don't get frustrated when you go to another church because you were never my members. I don't care if a pastor can't steal my church members. Uh, another church down the street cannot take my church members. If someone wants to start a church two streets down, even if they used to go here, these are not my members. You do not belong to me. This is not my church. May I go on and say this is also not your church. I know we love to say that this is my church and Pastor Julian's church. And one person even told me, you make the call, it's your church. The first thing you need to understand is you don't belong to me. You don't belong to you. You belong to Christ. To Christ. 
You know what's really weird and really cool? I used the illustration with somebody in the front row at the 930 service that was wearing black and red Jordan 1s, and there is an amazing person in this service who is also wearing black and red Jordan 1s, so I can use the same analogy. Isn't God good? Those are incredible ones. The, the red toe, uh, low, low top, he had on high top, um, but they run around $130. Nice pair of shoes. Do you know that there are a pair of those shoes that cost 300 grand? 300 grand. You know why? Because Michael Jordan wore those shoes in a championship game. Now, I love you, brother, but the reason why the exact same shoe on his feet is 130 and on somebody else's feet is 300 because of who those shoes belong to. So the fact that they belong to Jordan increased the value of those shoes by nearly 300 grand because of who they belong to. So your value does not come from what other people affirm about you. Your value comes from who you belong to. Have you ever been somewhere and somebody tried to come at your kids sideways or correct your kids? One time I was in a movie theater and I made the unwise choice of taking, uh, I believe it was Dallas, he, he wasn't ready. He was only three years old, and he was just talking up a storm in the movie, and somebody turned around and shushed my kid. Now I'm a pastor, but I'm still from San Bernardino. Who am I preaching to? I'm from San Bernardino from a very young age, as long as I can remember, from three years old, when I would blow out my cake and they would say, make a wish, I would blow out the candle and say, I wish somebody would. That was my wish every single birthday. I wish somebody would. And wish somebody would. I've been making that wish since I was three years old. Still, 45th birthday, I wish somebody would. So I wasn't playing. You don't speak to my kids. My kids belong to me. If you have an issue with my kids, you should talk to me. Some of us as believers have issues with other believers and we have the audacity to confront that other person in a harmful, mean, arrogant way and we haven't even talked to who they belong to. If you're going to talk, to somebody's kids without talking to them first? People cannot rebuke my kids without talking to me first, but they can encourage my kids without talking to me first. People cannot correct my kids without talking to me first, but they can bless my kids without talking to me first. You see where I'm going here? We have to be careful about the judgmental culture that the church has adopted in the name of truth and not realize that we are talking to people that don't belong to us, they don't belong to the church, they don't belong to the city, they belong to God. It is in his image that you and I were made. So this should create an automatic respect and honor, even if we deem for that person, because you'll follow God long enough where you do this, where we think that God is happier that we belong to him more than he's happier that they belong to him. And if we're not careful, we don't realize that the church is a group of people that belong to God. And anything that belongs to God, 
has immediately increased in value. If those shoes increase in value from belonging to Michael Jordan, how much do you increase in value if you live your life like you belong to God and you don't have to look for value anywhere because all you have to do when you wake up in the morning, you belong to Jesus, you can look in the mirror and you have found something so profoundly valuable. Now here's what's crazy about that is Jesus wants to affirm you that way God wants to affirm you that way, and maybe you're on a journey, but as long as you're following Christ, that's how God sees you, as a loving, amazing, righteous son and daughter. The Bible says Jesus had the heavens opened up, and God said to Jesus, before he did anything, this is my son. What's he saying? This son belongs to me. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He is mine, and I'm happy. And the devil tempted him, not with a woman, not with drugs, not with some party, but the devil attempted him with proving, if you are the son of God, if you are a Christian, if you are righteous the way God says, prove it. Religion is proving to myself or other people what God already said I am without the proving. Jesus had never done a miracle. He'd never done any ministry. And the devil said, if you are who God says you are, Prove it. The biggest temptation for a believer is not drugs, alcohol, and sex. It's proving. It's proving. To prove that I am who God says I am. If I'm a preacher, I used to feel like if I'm anointed, I got to prove that I'm anointed. If I'm called to the industry, I need proof, which is a booked audition, not the word. The word is the proof. God's presence is the proof. But we need for other people to go, yep, I see it. But no, I don't belong to you. Therefore, your opinions lose value because I don't belong to you. I'm not, I don't belong to the industry. I don't belong to this. I don't belong to that. I belong to God. So all of my value must come from God or God will not allow me to belong, anything I, to, I belong to anything that I get my value from. Sometimes God doesn't open a door for you because that door is where you'll get your value and that door will fail you. Anybody praising God for closed doors today? Yeah, okay. Okay. You like that real Christian clap? You ain't praising God for no closed doors. Some of y'all's shoulder is still jammed from trying to bust down that door so you can feel like you are somebody. Come on, man. Come on, you know you're trying to get your followers up on the gram? Some of y'all, I ain't even got a TikTok. I'm just, it, at that point, I'm going to leave that to the young people. No offense against, but I'm saying, like, that's where we get our value from. We, we look to see if, it, if, if, if it's trending or whatever, and I'm not here to make social media an enemy. I hate when pastors do that. I'm not saying to do that, but I'm saying your value comes from God. The church, by definition, if we're going to be passionate, we need to know who we belong to because we won't spend our lives trying to belong to something else. The need to belong is overwhelming people. And by the way, the Bible says you are citizens of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven, which means that you need to learn how to feel out of place. I'm about to throw this binder. I'm about to kick this binder off the stage. 
You ever start to feel weird everywhere you go? And some of us, the unfortunate thing is we feel out of place in church because you sit next to somebody who ain't really, they're not really who Jesus says they should be. And so they make you feel out of place, but God is coming straight to you. We're citizens of heaven, so this should start to feel. Paul said this in the Bible. He said, I can't wait to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said this. But I know I have to stay here because y'all need me. That's like, I, I'm ready to go right now. But my kids need me, my wife needs me, the church needs me, so I'm here. But y'all, like if you didn't need me, I'm ready to go. That's what Paul said. I can go today because I can be with the Lord. He knew who he belonged to. Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Do you belong to your absent, no good father, or do you belong to Christ? Because if you belong to him, his rejection is determining your value. So I don't belong to you anymore. Once you left me, I don't belong to you. Because if I belong to you, then what you do determines how I feel. This is really good stuff, man. I'm about to take off. I'm, I'm about to do a lap. I'm, we about to bring back doing laps in the church where I just run around. And, uh, you belong to Jesus. Do you know how profound? Think about the things in life we want to possess. Wonderful things. And think about how profound it is that the perfect Christ, the one thing he wants and some would argue the only thing he wants is you. You. Christ did not come here for the kingdoms of the world. That's why he confused people. He had the power to make Rome submit to him. He could have taken all of entertainment. He could have taken all of everything. But he didn't take any of that. He left that stuff in the hands of wicked people and said, I didn't come for all the money and all the influence and all the fame. I came for the people. You can keep that. I want the people. And Christ coming here on earth is the reason. God is so happy you're here. He did it for you. And not, I feel like preaching today because I didn't say none of this at the night. And not the new you. Not the spiritual you. The Bible says Jacob was a liar. He was so shady, God had to change his name. Because Jacob meant liar, deceiver, supplanter. He changed his name to Israel. But for the rest of history, when he spoke to Jacob's descendants, he didn't say, I'm the God of Israel. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of the janky one. I'm the God of the liar. I'm the God of the deceiver. So even if you are transformed in his presence, God is the God of the weed smoking, Hennessy drinking, sleeping around you. He wants that person too. When we're transformed in the image, we are transformed into someone who can be fruitful, not someone who can be wanted because God wants you just how you are. If you saw me stranded in the middle of the desert and you rolled your car down and there was a highway, would you roll down your window to tell me you love me and leave me where I was? Or would you get me out of that? 
So yes, God loves you wherever you are, but he's not going to roll down his window when you're in sin and you're in pain and say, I love you. He's going to say, get in. You want to go somewhere else? You want to get out of this situation? And some of us don't understand we belong to God. So we say, well, where are you going? Where are you going? It depends. I've come to like the wilderness. Come to like the desert. Meanwhile, your lips look like you've been making out with a powdered donut. <laughs> and you're struggling. But you got to be humble and say, I need help. And then you got to say, wait a minute. I belong to God. How many people want to be a part of a church that knows it belongs to God? Not the pastor. Like... You're not mine. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a steward of, of, of your life. God, God wants you no matter where you came from. Galatians 5.24 says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. So when you belong to Jesus, the one thing that happens is he changes your passions. That's why some of you are not confused. You're actually growing in your faith. What you used to be passionate about, you don't care about, and the enemy wants you to make you feel like you're confused because you care less about something that you used to be your whole life and you really don't care about it anymore. It's because you're growing in your faith and the Lord's transforming you into his image with ever increasing glory. Can I just help somebody today that, that your success in life is not the main thing that that, God, that brings God glory. We all want to bring God glory through recognition. I want to have a million followers and then give glory to God. I want to win a Grammy and then give glory to God. I want to win an Academy Award and then give glory to God. I want to have the most profitable business in the world because that glorifies God. The Bible says that we are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. There is nothing on the face of the earth that brings God more glory than Jacob becoming Israel. Nothing. Oh, man, I wish I could show you a documentary of my old life. You go, what? Your boy was out in the streets for real, for real. Like, this is not a joke. This is God doing something in my life, grabbing my heart, realizing I belong to him. And even then, I'm not perfect. And if you ever see something in my life increasing, whether it's anointing, it's not because of my time I spend in the Bible. It's because God over time is transforming me continually into his image. And it crucifies my passions. I don't have a passion to have a big church. I have a passion to have a fruitful, blessed church. If it's this number, it's this number. I've already laid it down. I'm not trying to have a mega church. I'm not trying to, if Lord wants to get that to me, I'll take it. I'm not trying to be a millionaire. Although, Lord, <laughs> like, I'm not, I, that's not my life goal. But if he opens the door, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's how I'm going to walk in the door, too. I'm not going to walk in the door with my cup hands. Like, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. If he opened the door for me to be a multimillionaire, I'm like, ha! Tell you, y'all. Tell you. Being here tithing. Just doing stupid stuff and then getting wisdom. I'm going to have a grill, just preaching in a grill, just for no reason. Just a diamond grill. Just watch. Lord said, and that's why you ain't got no money, fool. That's why. That's why. You ain't got no money. 
the church is, belongs to God. And here's what's crazy. There, 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 we can speak the promises of God over you all we want to, but if you individualize those promises, you need to understand that the promises of God are mostly in the Bible to a collective group of people, which is why once the Lord speaks the promise, the, he, uh, the devil tries his best to get you out of a community because the promise is to the community, not you individually. This is no joke. If you found a letter, speaking of being a millionaire, if I opened up my neighbor's mail and my neighbor's mail said that they inherited $10 million, would I come into the house and tell Christina we rich? <laughs> well, what do you mean we're rich? We, we just inherited $10 million. We. My grandfather used to say, he hated when we said we. I was like, we going to get something to eat? He said, what, you got a mouse in your pocket? What you mean we? I'm going to get something to eat. And I was six and my grandpa used to say that. The Bible, the promises of God are we promises. So if you read someone else's mail, would you go in your house and celebrate? Ephesians 3.20, one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. God is able to do more than you can ask. What you're asking for, God wants to blow your mind and give you more abundance than what you're asking for. It says God is able to do more which means abundantly more than we can ask. So he wants to do more than you can ask. He wants to do more than your imagination. Anybody creatives out there? God wants to do more than you have the capacity to imagine. So then if you feel stuck and you have writer's block and you feel stuck in your creativity, that might be because your mind can't conceive what God is getting ready to reveal. And so get out of the, the, the acting class and into the presence and ask God to show it to you. And then it says, ask, imagine, or think according to the power that's at work in us. Not me. How many people would want God to give them an Ephesians 3.20 season right now, here today? If you do, make sure you read Ephesians 1, where it says, this is a letter to the Holy Church in Ephesus. If you're not a part of a church, and I don't mean you're not a part of a Sunday service doing whatever a pastor tells you to do. That, that, that thing has been abused for years. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where the Holy Spirit himself, not manipulation, himself has given you a passion for his people. Amen. Ephesians 1, this letter is written to the holy saints in the church. If you're not a part of the church, Ephesians 3.20, receiving that is like reading someone else's mail. This is no joke. This is no joke. It's a team thing. One of the reasons why uh, we moved our son in this last season from basketball to football is because we wanted him to learn the power of we. Basketball is like, ah, ah, ah. fade away, jump shot. They even run plays called isolation. And if you are running that play, there are certain things that God cannot bring you when you're in isolation. And in football, not only... Can you not ever run an ISO? But some, one of the most important jobs, by the way, I'm a big fan of Colorado Buffaloes. I love what the Lord's doing with Dion and that team. But they lost bad yesterday. You want to know one of the main reasons they lost? Is because the offensive line was missing blocks. So you're praying for open doors, but God sometimes will give you an assignment to block 
so someone else can get open. And if you've never helped anyone else get open, the whole team lost by 40-something points because a handful of people were missing blocks. I'm telling you, I'm the lead pastor of Oasis Church for one reason and one reason only. You can call it gifting. You can call it calling all you want to. But the one reason I'm the lead pastor of Oasis Church is how many blocks I set for Pastor Philip. That's the one reason. Blocking when I wanted to be preaching. When I wanted to step out on my own. I remember one time walking through the church. I preached the word. That word was cold, too. I was feeling myself. I knew it was cold. The Lord fell. Everybody... And I walked out in the front, and I was like, man, I got it. I'm anointed. And this girl said, hey, Pastor Julian. And I remember the Holy Spirit said, what she's about to tell you, a demon is telling her to say it. And I was already walking towards her. And then I was like, oh, shoot, how do you walk towards somebody who's about to tell you something a demon said? I just was like, I didn't even know how to. I guess this is my demon walk. I just walk towards it like this, like <laughs> legs locked up on me. At the time I was married, I didn't know if she was going to like flirt. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I was already locked into the walk. I, I should have took off running, but I didn't. And you know, she didn't say nothing to me. Like, no, no. She just said, you're the best preacher at Oasis. When are you going to start your own church? That's all she said. And the Lord said that a demon was telling her to say that because my calling was we, not me. I can't run the ISO play. I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And that's what being a part of the church is all about because sometimes you get blessed because you block for somebody. You know, the Bible says verses that anybody who receives a from a prophet gets a prophet's blessing. So some of the things that God is doing in your life in this season that you didn't have to earn or you didn't have to do is because you listen to someone who was blessed. You know how powerful this is? I'm here to take the pressure off somebody today. Pressure off somebody today. This is huge. If we get this, and here is why this is, gonna, is a, such a challenging message, and I honestly didn't want to do this message because I feel like th there's this phrase going around called church hurt, where basically we have leveraged uh, what the Bible says about church to get people to do things that they shouldn't be doing to build the pastor's vision, and even Vision Sunday, my vision is not for me. I'm confused about what God wants me to do half the time. My vision is for you. My vision is for the city. I believe that God has entrusted me with some of the greatest uh, creatives, some of the greatest business people, some of the greatest fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, and I just want to steward that well. I, I don't have something that I'm trying to do that you need to sacrifice what you want to do to, to, to be here all day on Sundays and, and not have a life and serve 30, 40 hours a week and nobody cares about you and nobody's praying for you. I'm not talking about the way that Oftentimes, the megachurch has perpetuated being a part of a church community which is centered around Sunday services. No, no, no. I'm talking about the old school church community where we gathered around the presence of God, not the lead pastor and what he wants, the Holy Spirit. And I'm a church member just like you. I just have a role. I have a role. And I don't want my role to increase. 
Now, I want to ask you a really, really tough question, but I'm only talking to people, not a visitor, but someone who you would say, this is, I go to this church, I love this church, I, I love being here. I want to ask you a question. If everybody in this room, including myself, including the team, including the person sitting next to you, had your level of commitment, how long would it take for the church to close? Will it be open a year? Six more months? If everybody did what you did, if everybody did what you did, and that's not something to say to bring guilt or shame to you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what we have to think about because the reason why we have that indifference is because the enemy knows what would happen if we really, really took our faith seriously. Can I, can I, can I share with you, you know that verse where Jesus goes and, 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 and it says, I stand at the door and knock and anyone who answers, I will eat with them. Have you ever heard that verse? You know they normally do it at altar calls? As if the verse means if you don't know Jesus, that he wants to come in and eat with you? That's not what that verse means. He's talking to the church. Why does he want to knock on the door of the church? Well, one, they were at home. And God says in that verse, I will eat with you, now turn from your indifference. So he's saying the lead pastor and all his promo and all his Instagram stories of come to this, come to that, you won't want to miss it. That is not the reason why you should come to church. You should come to church because Christ has communed with you and turned you from your indifference himself. And when the pastor feels that that's not happening, he now manipulates what the Holy Spirit has always meant to be in the realm of conviction. We start, you know, getting, putting on a show and ordering lights. I mean, we still ain't got no LED wall. We still ain't got, church people love LED walls. You see that screen? That screen been up there for 15 years. And that screen ain't designed for my skin color. You see how it ain't picking me up all the way like that? That was past Phillip's screen. Hey, my screen. I'm serious. We had a consultant come in and say that screen ain't designed for you. I'm like, we got racist screens? I'm so confused. It's true. This costs $90,000 to replace those screens. Yeah, woo's right. If you ain't never gave none to the church, give two woo, 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 woo. You ain't never gave nothing to the church. Sitting up here listening to the preaching every weekend. Somebody shout, woo, 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 woo. You get to the church, you get one woo. You should be up here one woo. You ain't never gave nothing to the church. Woo, 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 woo. Come on, somebody. You ain't never gave. Just turn your neighbor right now. Just let's be in solidarity and unity. Turn your neighbor and say, woo, 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 woo. $90,000 trying to help the community. It's a lot. It's a lot that goes on. But I know that if I don't manipulate, it might take longer, but it also lasts longer. I, I, like, and while I'm on that, I'm joking about giving, but even as a church, we do not believe that your finances are cursed if you don't tithe. We don't believe that. It used to be, come on, non-tithers. Whoa, that's a close one. 
Somebody had their wallet out to get it off. Oh, whew, shoot. Thank God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I want to free you. Because the Bible says that in the Old Testament, but Jesus redeemed from every curse. So you're not cursed anymore. You're not cursed anymore if you don't tithe. The Bible says, bring the whole tithe that there may be food in my storehouse. So God redeemed you of every curse. But if the Lord told you to tithe and you don't because you're afraid, now that's entered into sin. And by the way, people in the New Testament didn't tithe. They gave everything. The Bible says they sold their stuff. So tithing is entry level to New Testament Christians because they're willing to do anything. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's no bondage to this. I'm not here to attack someone who doesn't give. I'm believing that if you get in God's presence just long enough, if you get involved, everybody wants to give to something they're a part of. When you go to your family house on Thanksgiving and they ask you to cut the, the potatoes, you cut the potatoes. Even if that's all, some of y'all got cut the potatoes stuff. You got so much going on in your life, I get it. But everybody's got, the only thing that should be illegal in church is nothing. We just got to ban nothing. I don't want you to give more than you can give in this season. If you're hurting and you've been hurt by the church, but you got to give something. We can't come to the church empty-handed and even worse, we can't come to the church empty-hearted without a praise, without something to thank God for. This is so important that we be the church together. Now I went over time, but hey, God is good. He is the redeemer of time. He's eternal. Can I give you five quick things? that I think every great, passionate church should do. Number one, which is the most important one, every great, passionate church should love each other. I think the love of the church has gone cold. I, I, I really cannot stand, I've said this before, like, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead people to the truth. And I think the church, especially on social media and the media, is trying to spout the truth to culture. They're declaring war on culture because I do believe culture is manipulating people. Can I be clear? Culture is absolutely manipulating people. But the church used to. Many of the church people, leaders used to. And now there's a war over who gets to control what you think. Can I be real? Because we, the, the church used to be the most influential thing. And we could rely on that to, to be able to get people to do what we wanted them to do. But at the end of the day, anybody who's been in the presence of the Lord, Anybody who's really been with Jesus. The Bible says that Peter were uneducated, but it was apparent they had been with God. So I don't believe that, some, that culture can do anything to somebody who's been with the Lord. You just put people in the presence of God and stop. This is what I believe. But the issue is people are looking for love in all the wrong places. And the church's love has grown gone cold because we're afraid if we love people that we're endorsing them. We, we, we don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you I love you because if I tell you I love you, then you'll think you're good. Yeah, that's what we want you to think. We want you to think you're good. Well, well what about this? Well, what about this sin? What about this? Well, what about your sin? What, what sin do you have that God is like, oh, that's a good one. long as it's not sexuality, you're good. Pride, sure. Unforgiveness, yep, you can do that. Bitterness, jealousy, sure. 
You can do that. You can be perusing someone's Instagram, wishing you had what they had, hating on them. You can do that. That's fine in the church, but everything else, be careful now. We got to speak the truth in love. You get what I'm saying? This word love in the Bible is not really a negotiable thing. There are only two words, love and hate. Our culture made up a bunch of stuff. I'm not really feeling you. We don't vibe like that. Like that, there's nothing. <laughs> like low key, I'm not really high key. I like you. No, we made up a bunch of stuff to fit in the middle between love and hate. So it's I hate you. I'm not feeling you. We don't vibe like that. Um, we don't have any chemistry. I love you. In the church, there was only two words, love and hate. And love meant someone who has God's moral preference executing an action towards another person out of love. It is not like a romantic love. It's not a sexual love. It is someone executing a love out of the wealth of God's morality that is dwelling on the inside of them. It doesn't mean they're perfect, but it's they have the Holy Spirit. That's why love is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is making you love, which means you should have friends and people you love who would be your enemies if you didn't have the Holy Spirit. If you got the same, if you love the same people before you got saved that you do after you got saved, and you ain't never looked at someone going, I cannot believe we are friends. You, you got to love people and love, love people. And then, by the way, if you love them, they'll know. Like you ever told someone the truth and you started off with, you know, I love you, right? <laughs> what do you, what you think? I, God wants to get the whole truth to the world. Trust me, he does. God is not in heaven asking angry, frustrated, culture-hating believers to post to their stories scriptures about sexuality so that your 300 followers... That's not his plan. His plan is that you would live the word, and when you live the word, you become a light. And then when you walk in spaces that were dark, it's now lit up, and because the Holy Spirit speaks in the light, God doesn't work in the dark. That's why the very first thing he said is let there be light. So the calling on the church is God is reliving Genesis 1, chapter 2, where when you go in the industry, you, he says in his name, let there be light. And now the whole culture is illuminated because believers are living the word, not trying to condemn people who don't. We got to love each other. Number two, we got to take responsibility. You ever taken someone who's far from God and going, like, I'm going to love them so much, it's going to be hard for them to resist the God I serve. Like, that's so important, y'all. Like, we got to be better at this. We got to be better at this. We got to take responsibility. And here's what's cool about God. Like, he says in Hebrews 6.10, is amazing. Look how God, awesome God is. For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown to his, for his name in serving the saints. When you serve the church of God, he doesn't overlook that. He goes, I see what you did. I'm not going to overlook that. The third thing we got to do, and this is the hard one, we got to invite accountability. We got to invite it. And if you are excited to hold someone accountable, 
If you just said to yourself, yeah, pastor, you tell them. We got to hold people accountable. We got to hold people accountable. Stay far away from people who are excited to hold you accountable. Stay far away from people who are so pumped to hold you accountable. I have not found that in the Bible at all. Nebuchadnezzar was the most wicked king ever. And I know you got some trifling people in your world, but you have nobody who is sinning like Nebuchadnezzar was sinning. And when Daniel got a rebuke for Nebuchadnezzar, he said, oh, precious king, if only this word was for someone else and not for you. Daniel did not want to give a negative word. But some of y'all, you get a word to correct somebody, you're like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Take the gloves off. No, man. That's got to be like, ah, Lord, is there anybody else? We should be chomping at the bit to encourage people, and we should be with fear and reverence correct and rebuke. Because we're talking to someone that is somebody else's kids. So don't post that. Don't talk about how crazy culture is. Because you're talking about somebody's kids. And God wants them all back. And, and in his way, he's going to do it. And he wants to use you. But it starts with us inviting accountability in our own life. If nobody's corrected you, why would God anoint you to bring correction? Like, who can correct you? This is important stuff. It goes quiet when you start talking about correction, but I'll move on to the next point. I'll talk about the chicken wings in a minute, man. Get y'all. And by the way, this is just my experience. Oh my gosh, I'm show over time. Okay, let me make this really quick. This is just my experience. You got to be so nice in church. Church people get offended so easily. You got to send emails the right way. Boy, I love our staff and leaders and church. Boy, you don't say something the right way, man. I just... I'm like... Hey. But Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another. You know that word spur is a jab in the side. So it's like you see someone you love and they're getting ready to do something that shipwrecks their faith and shipwrecks their calling. You're supposed to figure out like, yeah. It's supposed to be a poke in the side where they go, oh, yeah, man, I don't. And it's not what you're doing is a sin. If let's say they're cursing, you don't say you curse too much. I'm just holding you accountable. You say, I believe that words are powerful. Words create. And as I was praying for you, I believe that God wants you to use your mouth more to create the good things that God has for you. And I've just noticed recently, you see the difference? It's a big difference. Number four, the church is supposed to build your faith. Build your faith. And, and number five, the church is supposed to give glory to God by doing good works. I'll, I'll say them again. The church is supposed to love each other. The church is supposed to take responsibility. The church is supposed to invite accountability. The church is supposed to build your faith. And the church is supposed to give glory to God by doing good works, which means that God has so many good things he wants to give and do in your life. But the challenge is, is some of us won't give it all away. Some of us can do something so great that only God's going to get the credit. And God oftentimes won't allow us to be glorified because he knows we can't handle it. And so he will give you the amount of glory in your life that you have the capacity to give away. 
And if some of those big dreams in your life have not happened yet, if I may be so honest with you, it's because when it does, you will say, well, I did this and I did that and I worked on this and I did that. And when someone tries to say, you're this, you're that, look how awesome. When someone tries to crown you, you won't take it off and give it to Jesus. You'll keep it. God will only allow you to have the amount of glory that you give away. Matter of fact, the devil would love for you to keep glory because glory kills anyone who is not God. Kills your soul, kills your spirit. And so if you don't have the influence that you feel like you are called to have, if you don't have the success you are called to have, thank God that you don't have it. Because if you did have it, it would kill you. It will kill you if you don't give it away. I want you to stand to your feet. Because here's what's great about Jesus. The church is so important to Jesus that he died for you. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church who died, gave up his life for his church. Jesus said, I have so many sheep, I have so many children, but there are children and sheep who are not yet in the fold. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the world. He's talking about, you got long lost brothers and sisters out there that you have to be praying and believing would find the Lord. And I believe today that there are some of those people in this room right now that don't understand their value. They've tried to get it from other places because you have not yet put your faith in Jesus and you don't believe that you belong to the Lord. Maybe you have been manipulated by church culture or maybe you were hurt growing up in church and it's your first time kind of investigating what being a part of a church community is about. And I'm not here to tell you that I'm better than the pastor that hurts you, but I am telling you there are people in this community, and I'm one of those people, that deeply care about people. We are trying our best. Our vision is not to grow and expand and take over the world. Our vision is that people just like you would find their Savior, get a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And he opened up the door for you by shedding his blood. Shedding his blood for you. And so if you're here in this room and you want to put your faith in Jesus, maybe for the first time, or you want to return to the Lord, maybe you found yourself going to church years ago and you feel disconnected from God. You are not far from God. You just feel far from God. Because the Bible says that in Acts, the book of Acts, that we reach out for God and find out that he's not far from any one of us. It's not possible to be far from God. God is a pursuing God. He's a loving God. And you feel that way right now, disconnected from God, or you've never put your faith in Jesus. Right now, I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of someone next to you as a sign of saying, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to follow Jesus. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder right now if that's you. Come on, put your hand on somebody's shoulder right now, even if you don't know him. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder right now and say, I want to follow the Lord. Whether you're not, you're in a balcony, put your hand on somebody's shoulder. And if you have somebody's hand on your shoulder right now, I want you to lift your hand high. If you have somebody's hand on your shoulder, lift your hand high. People in the balcony, people. And what I want you to do, if you're in the balcony, I want you to walk right up to the front. Make that an altar. If, if, if you have someone's hand on your shoulder, Turn to him right now and say, I'm going to walk you up to the altar. I'm going to pray for you. Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. If you're down here, walk him right to the front and say, you don't follow Jesus alone. I got you. I'm praying for you. 
I'm believing for you. You walk them up front right now. And as you're walking them, tell them how proud you are of them. Tell them all the things that God's going to do in their life. Just speak life over them right now as you walk them up front. Tell them how proud you are. Tell them how excited you are for what the Lord is going to do in their life. Come on, come all the way to the front. If you're in the front balcony, just walk them right to the front. Come on, keep keep giving up. God is so good. Keep giving God a shout of praise. As people in the walk, don't come up by yourself. She's just walk, walk up, lay a hand on her right now. She just walked up right now. Thank you, Lord. Come on, people still coming out of the aisles. Walk somebody up and say, I got you. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Okay. All right, put your hand on their shoulder. If you brought them up here and just begin to pray over them. If you don't know what to pray, just thank God for their life. Come on, pray out loud. Bless them. Say, God, I thank you for this. Thank you for their life. Thank you for who they are. Lord, release your blessing and your mercy and your grace in their life. God, may the good things of life follow them wherever they may go. Just, just pray over them. Encourage them. Let's all say this prayer together. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins so that today I can become a part of something greater than myself, the church, a community. From this day forward, I am a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, Oasis Church. Give God a great big hand clap and a shout of praise in the house of the Lord today. God is so awesome. He is so good. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.